Hello, everyone, and welcome to the On The Map podcast. I'm David Beats, and today uh, I was joined by Lance Billingsley from Federal Realty. And uh, we had a really great conversation about uh, what it takes to lease space uh, during the pandemic, uh, which grocers are expanding. Uh, and we also talked about um, two individual projects in DC and New York uh, that Federal has worked on recently and has been involved with. So I think you're really gonna enjoy today and uh, uh, we're going to jump right into the conversation with Lance Billingsley from Federal Realty. Uh, hi, Lance. Great to have you on the podcast today. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your background and maybe a little bit about Federal Realty? Sure. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm on like my probably 10th, maybe even 20th COVID beard. What's going <laughs> Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, my name is Lance Billingsley. I'm the uh, Vice President of Anchor Leasing with Federal Realty Investment Trust, uh, a $6.2 billion company. Uh, we publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange. I've been around since 1962. I've uh, got about 114 properties, primarily on the coasts, uh, the East Coast, uh, where we're headquartered out of uh, Rockville, Maryland, which is a suburb of Washington, D.C. And then we have uh, Properties in uh, Boston, uh, New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Baltimore, very prominent in the DC market. We have a center in Carolina, uh, a few in the Miami trade area, uh, Florida. And then we're also in Chicago with about five centers, one in Detroit, and then we're on in the West Coast in California where we have uh, quite a prominent uh, set of centers out there as well. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And so, and so you're, you're mostly focused on uh, basically leasing for kind of the, the bigger boxes, anchors, and uh, really focused on grocery. Is that right? Yeah, I, uh, I drifted into that really in my career. I guess when you start off in leasing, as I did, you know, you aspire one day to lease anchor spaces and, and, and do big box deals as it were. And, uh, uh, about the midpoint of my career, I was working for a developer out of Philadelphia by the name of Brandolini Companies, and we did about two and a half million square feet ground up. And uh, those projects were all anchored or had a very large grocery component to them. So I found myself uh, at the time doing a lot of big box deals and, and doing some grocery store deals. And okay. Yes, fortunately uh, for me, you know, that's a, a, a skill set that not a lot of people have. And I'm somewhat fortunate to have done some of the deals that I've done in my career. And so just kind of became uh, uh, a, a grocery specialist, if you will, in many regards and uh, kind of continue uh, with that uh, practice to this day. Okay, very good. So, so what being that this is kind of kind of a specialized thing is there what do you do as far as the marketing process whenever you're trying to lease one of you know one of these existing spaces yeah sure I mean a big part of that I would say David is is having the relationships and uh, you know I work really hard at at my relationships and and having a contact uh, with each grocery chain and banner that we do business with, or even some that we don't. Uh, I try to touch base with, with uh, the people there and stay in front of them. So, you know, I, I really, um, certainly, you know, we use the brokerage community uh, yeah. like, like every other landlord owner and developer, but 
for me and in, in what I do, there's a, a big benefit, a big part of my day-to-day business is having that direct relationship with the retailer and yeah. spending the time that's necessary to develop that relationship and maintain it. Gotcha. So, so how do you figure out if, you know, which, which grocers are, are a good fit, you know, for say a couple of vacancies coming up? Is there, is there kind of a, a process that you use or is it kind of just your, your knowledge of the grocers and the markets? Yeah, I'd say it's more the latter. I'd say it's, it's more knowing where grocery stores, stores are in the market, knowing who's active, who's not. Right. Um, which stores that they have are, are successful and, and, and have good volumes. Um, you know, having your ear to the ground and just kind of learning that stuff. And again, through, through the relationships and meeting with these guys, knowing um, hopefully in advance what stores might be a candidate for a relocation or a new store. And um, so it's, it's really, I'd, I'd say more of just knowing the markets and knowing the players and anything else. It's, there's, there's not a lot, you know, fortunately for me, I, I uh, the pool of candidates really is not that many when it comes to groceries. So right. I, I'm not going to say that I know all these guys extremely, extremely well, but I, I, I know them well enough to be able to get them on the phone and have a conversation. Yeah. So, so as far as the area that you focus on, I think you, you said you focus more on kind of the East coast and, and part of the Midwest. Um, it, in that in that area, which which grocers are more active right now? Would you say? Yeah, I'd say that the the most active grocers right now are Whole Foods. Um, uh, Amazon is 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 active. We can talk about that a little bit later, uh, carefully. <laughs> right. Uh, Sprouts is very active. Uh, Lidl is extremely active right now. Yeah. We're seeing Plum. Look at some sites. Okay. Those are the most active grocers that I'm dealing with right now. I'm sure I left somebody out. I apologize. Um, but, and then, you know, uh, Albertsons and, and, and Aholds and, and Kroger's are not as active in opening new stores, but they're still active. Uh, you know, fortunately with the pandemic that, uh, at least fortunately for, for us, I should say, um, you know, that's a category being an essential business that has stayed relatively active. And so, you know, they're always looking to improve their, their real estate, improve their locations and their market position. So they're not as active on new store openings, but they're still very active. Gotcha. Gotcha. Are, are there, you know, talking about the pandemic, I mean, are there some unique opportunities that have been kind of created by the pandemic? Um, or or is, it, is it more that you're maybe focused on grocery instead of some of these other retailers that you would in the past? I'd say if um, maybe a couple things there um, and it's a lot of times it's, it's luck and timing, right? I mean, we, it just so happens that in this category, which again is, is quite active right now, it just so happens that we have space in some of our centers that are not grocery anchored that is available. And that's rare. Uh, right. Historically in the federal realty portfolio, we're running 98% plus least on the anchor side. So mm-hmm. to have these opportunities now is somewhat fortunate. And um, so we're finding places in a very active category. And, you know, many of our centers were blessed or are in fortress type locations, hard to penetrate markets. And so, you know, we're, we're having some 
I'd say good fortune there in, in on the deal making side, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, we've signed three grocery store leases in the last three months. Uh, right. so we're feeling pretty, pretty fortunate on that end. And, uh, you know, I, I'd say that's probably, um, I'd say it's probably the biggest one. Yeah. Have, have you faced any certain um, challenges? I mean, everybody's faced challenges during this time, but as far as business, you know, um, you know, relationships and getting deals done. I mean, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like you haven't been hampered that much. I mean, has, has, have there been some, you know, particular challenges there? Yeah, I'd say again, it just, uh, being somewhat fortunate in doing what I do and how I do it, that I have relationships already established. If yeah. I was starting off in the business right now and didn't have those relationships, it would be extremely difficult. Right. After, yeah. Said, you know, to try to, I mean, I, I mean, I will tell you right now that, that I, I am trying to meet with a grocer that I've not been able to meet with in person right now. We have, 10 locations with this grocer and I need to have a pretty significant conversation about some of the stores. And I don't want to have that conversation on the phone. Right. I don't want to have it on Zoom. This is a conversation that I need to have in person. So yeah. thank goodness those are rare in my world. And I'm fortunate again because of the relationships that I can get people on the phone rather easily. But yeah, I mean, that's really to me the biggest, the two biggest challenges I think are not being able to see people in person. Uh, and not being able to travel and go to the real estate. I mean, this really is a, this is a business where you need to be in the market, you need to be driving, you need to be aware of what's going on. And everyone right. in this business right now is hampered by that. It's, you know, things are happening around you all the time daily. And to, you know, not see that for, at this point, three, four, five months is just very challenging. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're all used to, to seeing everybody out in, in Vegas and, you know, these different conferences, research conference and, and stuff like that. And it's been, it's been really strange to not have seen people for so long, like in person. Um, I don't, I don't yeah. know if people are going to say it out loud, but I think a lot of people were a little happy not to go to Vegas for one year and take the year off. I'm yeah. Not actually admit that out loud, but that, that's the feedback that I've gotten. Yeah, it's kind of nice to not have, it's kind of nice to take the year off and not have the pressure of going. Um, you know, it's kind of like you don't want to take the year off if everybody, if everybody else is still, you know, still going to be there. But if everybody's not going to be there, then it's kind of, it's been kind of nice. It's kind of given us time to focus on some other things. And mm -hmm. so, um, and, and already I can tell on the map that, that people are kind of moving around and there's going to be some changes uh, for next year. So that should, that should be interesting. Um, you mentioned Amazon, you know, I, I imagine there's, from what I understand, they have a lot of NDAs and there's not a whole lot that you can say as far as deals and stuff like that. Um, but just wonder if, what, what can you say? I mean, are, are you, are you seeing them actively look for sites? Um, are they, you know, are they, are they different to work with than other grocers? I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, 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 I have signed an NDA, uh, so I, I want to be careful about what I say. Um, what I am comfortable saying is, is what is what I would call public knowledge. Right. So, you know, publicly known that the store is now called Amazon Fresh. You didn't know that until about a week or two ago. Uh, they've announced four stores, uh, three in California, actually one here in Chicago where I am, uh, which 
Dosi when it opens. Uh, to my knowledge, it's not, they don't have any open just yet. I believe they're right on the brink, but uh, yep. one I believe it is going to be the first one in, in Los Angeles. I don't know if it's actually open yet. I think it's invitation only from, from what I saw. They, they're, they're just bringing in like some select folks to start I, with. Yeah. Can't, I haven't been given the invitation. That's a little offensive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, I'm just kidding. I, I, I you know, it's 35,000 square feet. Um, I believe they've announced that the, you know, this cashier list checking like they have in the, in the go stores where you need an app. Uh, the other thing to me, that's uh, pretty exciting is, is, is the dash cart technology. If you have not yeah. that, which, you know, instead of, you know, leave it to Amazon and, you know, instead of actually going through a, a, a checkout, uh, counter, if you will. Uh, where you have cell service checkout, you actually do it in the cart, which I thought was, um, you know, pretty ingenious and uh, looking forward to seeing that in action. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as, you know, grocers looking for real estate, I mean, are they looking for any particular things now that we're in this pandemic as far as maybe delivery or pickup or, I mean, has that been more important or, or presented any kind of new challenges? Yeah, I'd say that you've, you've touched upon the number one uh, issue that's going on with grocery stores, everyone that I speak with today, and that is how do we execute profitably, profitably being the key word here, uh, our online business, right? So you have just a number of issues uh, that are connected with that, that all these guys are dealing with. So, um, you know, the first one is, okay, let's talk about the infrastructure. Do we actually try to build our own system? which is very costly to process these orders, or do we farm it out to say Instacart? Well, if, if you, you save money doing it that, that way with Instacart, but now you've given up your data. Right. And to find out the data is actually arguably the most valuable thing to have, right? Yeah. It's actual uh, profitable sales, uh, you know, generated from the products. Uh, you know, picking up in the store, do we use, do we treat our store as miniature warehouses? Uh, where we have uh, people or maybe a section of the store that's in the back of the store that is actually a warehouse. Do we have pickers that are picking in competition with grocer actual customers there and creating really a, a, a competitive environment that's not very healthy? I certainly don't want to be up against, you know, three people picking while I'm trying to enjoy my shopping experience. Right, right. And yeah. Do you have those issues? How efficient is that? And you know that goes right to the size, right? Do I have a, a hundred thousand square foot grocery store where it's fifty thousand square foot retail uh, in the front, uh, traditional, and in the back it's just a, a dark, dark store warehouse? So they're they're thinking about that. Um, obviously, you've got this uh, buy online, pick up in the store, Vopus, we call it, to be an acronym. Yeah. Okay. Um, very very big. You know, uh, you're 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 it's obviously a lot more profitable for the stores if you can have people come up and pick the store up, uh, pick the products up at the store versus having to deliver them. I mean, to my knowledge, delivery is not profitable. Uh, I've not right. one grocery store say, hey, we make a ton of money off of delivering groceries. Not one person has said that. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways to attack this. You know, you, you, you've got Kroger who's looking at, at these Akado distribution centers and, and, and actively engaging robotics. And, and then you've got some people who are still doing it in the store and, and, and picking it. And I think it's going to just continue to evolve. And that whole 
you know, that whole discussion, that whole strategy and how we, how we evolve this profitably is really top of mind for all the sophisticated operators. Yeah, it's, it, it just seems there's, there's so many inefficiencies there right now. You know, I mean, the, 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 you, you basically, you're basically paying somebody to put the, you know, the merchandise on the shelves and then you're paying another person to take it off the shelves and put it in a car and drive to somebody's, you know, house. And so it's, it's, um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how, how all that evolves and, and yeah, how I mean, it changes. Someone said to me very early, uh, you know, it, if, if I, if, if a customer walks into a store and picks up their groceries and walks out and puts them in their car, as opposed to uh, now I have to hire someone to take the groceries out there to the car and put them in there, clearly that costs money. That's not as profitable. Throw in yeah. putting it actually into an automobile, but now I have to purchase that automobile and deliver to their house, even more unprofitable. So um, right. I was kind of, think of that when I think of this issue. Yeah, it's, it's been interesting. We, we've been working on a database inside of our platform that basically shows, you know, zip codes for all the, the major, um, you know, uh, groups that are, that are delivering uh, groceries. Um, and we've also been tracking locations of, you know, who has pickup and delivery. And it's just, it's, it's just, it's just grown dramatically over the past couple of years. Um, yeah. You know, you think about you think about a a a dark store with robots that are fulfilling orders, and then they're being delivered by driverless cars, and you you can kind of see that that's the path to profitability. But yeah, yeah. actually get there, I don't know. I think I think that's going to happen in our lifetimes. I think I think a car a driverless car delivering your groceries is is going to happen. And I think once you take the human out of it, I think it becomes a lot more affordable. Um, you know. Yeah the hell out of me on what we do with jobs but uh, right yeah yeah I, I hear what you're saying yeah exactly well so so what do you do when a grocer wants to take over a big box but maybe they want to um you know have a smaller size maybe you have some excess space or something like that is that do you carve that out for you know small shop space or kind of what do you do with that space yeah i would say that that's that's an ongoing issue that we've always had as landlords yeah. nothing really new or unique we, you know, very rarely do you have, no matter what it is, a grocery store or anything that will go right in and perfectly fit. We're, uh, you know, expanding out the back and ripping down walls and going sideways and carving out for, for shops. We're doing that stuff all the time. So that's just part of the business. I don't see that as any type of, uh, you know, unique challenge for a sophisticated landlord. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Do you, do you think that, I mean, is there a demand for, for smaller grocery stores out there? Um, or what do you, what do you see in kind of, you know, for folks that are, you know, looking for certain sizes? Cause it seems like in a lot of the data that we're, we're seeing, we're seeing kind of some folks kind of, kind of downsize and, and do smaller formats in different places. Yeah. I probably answer that question in, in two ways. I, I think there are definitely people who, whether it's a, you know, a huge HEB down in Texas or a Wegmans, you know, a hundred, 120,000 square foot grocery store. Um, or even a Costco, there are people who say, you know, I don't, I don't want to do my day-to-day -day shopping in something that big. I want something small and intimate. Um, right. I do, I do hear that type of feedback and wanting to get to a smaller store. Um, but I think really what I'm hearing more is as, as it's more on the operator side, we want to become more efficient. We want, we want our stores to be smaller because 
they're more efficient, they're more, you know, the, the, the costs go down to operate them. And maybe we're focusing more on goods that we can sell profitably versus goods that we have to have in there that are just kind of sitting there with a slow turn rate. So um, I, I see it more, I don't see it as much personally on the customer side as I see it more on the grocery operator side looking to become more efficient. We just saw that recently as an example with Sprouts, who I think their stores were running around 30,000 square feet. And now uh, the story as it was told to me anyway, was that uh, their new CEO came in and they had a very profitable store in California. Right. Um, 22, 24,000 square feet. And he said, hey, why can't we do this everywhere? And really challenged his team. And those guys actually retrenched and, you know, stopped doing new deals for about a quarter, uh, maybe even a little bit longer than that. And while they redid their prototype and said, hey, we can become more efficient and therefore more profitable with the smaller size. So, yeah. um, you know, certainly all of us look in awe of what Trader Joe's does, have a very small footprint amazing performance and they, yeah yeah and i think i think lidl did the same thing i think they started out a little bigger when they first got here and then they kind of kind of changed that and went to a smaller format um mm -hmm. you know kind of especially depending on what markets they're going in uh i was wondering lance if you could show us um or talk a little bit about um the tyson station um uh redevelopment plan uh with trader joe's Sure. So that's a, a market we actually own both sides of the street there. We've got uh, Tyson Station, uh, which is anchored by Trader Joe's. And then across the street, we also have Idlewood with um, Whole Foods and a uh, very successful grocery trade area. Uh, okay. Concepts are doing quite well there. And I, I'd say, you know, this is a situation where you own a shopping center and, and you know, you, you you, you're fortunate enough to have a, an opportunity uh, by being in the game, as it were. So Trader Joe's was in there, 11,000 square feet, and just so happened that uh, because of their success, they had an interest in expanding, and we had a, a vacancy come about, uh, 4,000 square feet to the left of them. So if you're looking at the site plan, this shows the, the fully expanded version of that plan, but where the TR and the AR uh, in, in Trader Joe's TRA, right about there was a 4,000 square foot store. And um, again, just in our conversations with Trader Joe's, knowing how well they did here uh, and their desire to expand, we were able to you know, seize upon an opportunity. And, and, and when you do something like that, does this lease usually start over or is it kind of, or is it kind of like, is it like a resetting event or is it just? Yeah, it's a great question actually. Um, <laughs> and how we go about that depends on how beneficial the lease is to us, right? Right, yeah. So this was one where we tried to just do a simple amendment, and um, there was a regime change within Trader Joe's, and they said that they wanted to start over and do a whole brand new lease. So we ended right. up doing a brand new lease. And okay. More time than normally would and cost us some money and attorney's fees, but... Yeah. You know, part of the business, you do what you have to do. So, um, you know, certainly leases are constantly changing and being updated to the benefit of both parties. Right. And in particular case, we did a brand new lease. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then the other project that we wanted to touch on was the Whole Foods um, on Long Island, where you, um, was it, where you combined some spaces and kind of redid the center there? 
Sure. So we're looking at the trade area right now on your map, um, Plain Grocery. And this is in Huntington, New York, adjacent to uh, the uh, Walt Whitman Mall, a, a fairly regional trade area. Mm -hmm. And this is a shopping center. Uh, we you know, happen to have quite a few centers in regional positions like this adjacent to a mall. Yeah. Uh, and uh, talking to Whole Foods for probably 10 plus years about this center and mm -hmm. their in it. So there's been dialogue on and off. It just so happened that um, really an opportunity presented itself with the closure. Uh, if you were to go to the uh, site plan uh, of a Bed Bath & Beyond store there, which really finally gave us an opportunity to uh, assemble enough space to be able to do a grocery store. So this is the center as it exists, as it exists today. Uh, mm -hmm. And I want you to focus in on where the Bye Bye Baby is and then adjacent to that is a is a vacant uh, previously a, a bed bath and beyond space that's now vacant, and so our 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 initial conversation started with backfilling that space, and what you can't appreciate by looking at the site plan is that this is a two story building with a lot of very um, unique features to it, and as we looked closer and harder at it, what we came up with was the idea to not only redevelop it, but actually uh, demolish a portion of the shopping center. So if you go to the second plan, in blue, you will see the portions of the shopping center that we're taking down. Uh, and then the gray ones represent what will remain. And okay. not only going to take down the entire middle of the shopping center, but we're going to redo the hall of the common areas, which is why those are blue. Wow. And, um, if you go to the third and final plan, this is what it all ends up with. And, you know, let me again say that this is still in the uh, approvals entitlement stage. Mm -hmm. uh, still aspirational at this point, but a, a couple of unique factors here to me, which, you know, really improved the, the shopping center. First of all, where if you look at the connectivity between the, 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 the Ultus Tilly side and the PetSmart side. And you can see now that the whole shopping center where previously was somewhat stepped and the parking fields um, not as uh, easily navigated. Now we have much better circulation. Mm -hmm. We're proposing a new uh, ingress, uh, egress uh, movement from Walt Whitman Road um, that circulates the whole shopping center. We've got the loading in the back with uh, Whole Foods that is isolated and away from um, any of the customer traffic. And so, you know, the Whole Foods would uh, be, occupy space number 10, right in the middle of the shopping center, right where you want a grocery anchor to, to balance out and, and provide uh, an excellent draw for, for a project. What, 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 what retailers do you think will go there or what, what kind of retailers would go in that, in that small section in between Whole Foods and, and the other box or the yes. other boxes? We're still early. Um, I don't want to get into any specific names. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. talking about Whole Foods because they're actually an executed lease, but um, okay. yeah. we're an open air shopping center company for the most part. So, uh, you know, all the guys that you associate with those types of projects, you know, the names you see here, um, yeah, a lot of those guys and because it is a regional location, you know, could we perhaps go a little bit more on the, on the higher end here than you might see as opposed to the discount end? 
that remains. Right. But you know, we'll have apparel here. We'll have restaurants here. Um, yeah. Nice amenities. Uh, we'll build a nice sense of place here, and um, you know, we're, we're feeling very bullish about this property. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Oh, that looks great. So Lance, I know that you don't deal a whole lot with the kind of small shop space and some of the smaller retailers, but have you, have you seen an increase in, um, you know, interest or, or kind of, what are you seeing kind of in that area? I mean, are they, are they looking to be near grocers or is there, are you, are you seeing any kind of strategy there? Yeah. I mean, I, Listen, the, the grocery store is always the anchor for us, and, and because of the trip generation, we're always going to use them to to uh, lease around, if you will, and draw other tenants to our properties. Um, you know, I, I I I don't do the shop leasing myself, so I'm do I am doing other big box uh, uses uh, and at least those guys, and, and and I would say that. Essential retailers, we're, we're still seeing a fair amount of activity, and, and I'd say it's increasing uh, each day. People are starting to come out of the woodwork, um, you know, off-price apparel, uh, TJ Maxx's, the Burlington's of the world, those guys, um, you know, they're, they're hardware, those guys have gone crazy. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, we've got we're fortunate enough to have pretty good real estate. And so we, we see opportunities in not only new stores, but also relocations. So, you know, if, if there's, if there's a national player out there who maybe is not as active in new stores uh, and opening new stores, we still see a lot of opportunity in perhaps upgrading their location in a market to a better piece of real estate. And we're having a fair amount of conversations with people like that right now that aren't doing deals otherwise, except for relocating strategically. Yep, yep. Yeah, I, I know when when I looked at, at Federal a while back, Federal had some of the best incomes and densities, um, you know, out, out, of, out of all the, the uh, REITs out there, the retail REITs, and, um, you know, and, and I'm sure that goes a long way in helping to lease these places whenever you have those good incomes and good, you know, population density. Yeah, I'd say that, you know, coming out of the, the, the pandemic, one of the things that we see is, is consolidators, you know, consolidator shopping centers. So, you know, if you've got a market where uh, you've got five or six shopping centers, well, which one is the dominant one? Right. How do, you know, how do you become the dominant one? Well, it starts with great real estate, obviously. Uh, and then, you know, how are you leasing and managing it? How are you working on your merchandising? Uh, do you take care of it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So invest in it capitally when it needs to be invested in. Uh, you know, one of the things that I love about this company is that we have always strived to set the bar and, you know, you, you, I'm not going to say that every shopping center we have is the greatest shiny new penny, but we certainly do have a lot, uh, uh, compared to other landlords and you know the the impacts of that the effects of that allow us really to to do well at leasing have, have you does um, does federal have any mixed-use developments um, and 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 if so do they have a grocery component to them uh, we do have some mixed-use projects uh, primarily those are going to incorporate residential okay uh, vertically 
where we would have uh, you know retail on the, on the ground level and residential above. We also will incorporate office. We will incorporate hotels in some of these projects. Right. And uh, to my knowledge, we don't have a full-blown supermarket. Actually, let me take that back. Pentagon Row, we do have a Harris Teeter there. And, um, you know, it's, it's on the larger side. Um, it's not, it's not a, a mini mart or market. I mean, a convenience store, it's, it's a full-blown supermarket. And there, you know, that's, that's an interesting set of challenges because you need to figure out how to get, you know, large 18-wheeler trucks in and out and load that thing and, and, and deal with recycling and dumpsters and all the other things that, that a, a high-volume supermarket deals with and integrate that in with a residential community. So there's a fair amount of, of challenges in, in those projects, but we, you know, we, we do have some. Yeah, and then having the grocery carts to be able to get on some kind of escalator or elevator and maybe go down into a garage or something like that. I've, se I've seen some pretty neat setups where you know, people have, have done that in an interesting way. Yeah, and, 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 and to your point, it's encouraging shoppers to wanna use the structured parking because right. most people still wanna pull up right in front and just go right in and then go right out with their cart. And so yeah. it's trying to make it easy and, and have it feel safe uh, you know, nobody wants to walk with, uh, you know, their, their grocery cart into a dark parking garage and feel unsafe. And so, um, right. creating a way that people feel safe and, and inviting to use those amenities. Yeah. Yeah. There's so um, much work that goes into figuring out all those space layouts. And I don't think anybody realizes how much work goes into figuring all that kind of stuff out, you know? Yeah, it, it it really is for me part of the, the, the fun part of it. You know, I've yeah. got the you know interface with engineers and architects, and you get a good sense of kind of what will work and what won't work. You know, um, the truck has to be able to make the turn. Uh, you know, they have to be able to to. You can't just put if you put one loading bay in there for one truck, well, that impacts the volume of the store, right? So. So, you know, there comes a point in time where if they don't have enough trucks in and out of there and the capacity to do that, the volume of the store is going to uh, suffer and it's, it's going to fail. So you start figuring those things out as, as you go along in life and, and you're looking for them and, and, and trying to design a, a project accordingly. You, you mentioned grocery store volumes, you know, sales volumes. Um, is there, a lot of people ask us about sales volumes. Is, is there, do you have a certain... I mean, do you have a, a database or do you have a way of getting volumes? Um, is, is that something that you really focus on on a, on a day-to-day basis? Uh, I would say yes, we do. We, we are very sales-oriented at Federal Realty and right. we've been around as long as we have and we have leases uh, that require a lot of sales reporting. We have a pretty robust database. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Having, having worked at other companies besides Federal, I can... I can absolutely say that our database of sales reporting is is pretty significant compared to some of our peers. Right. Yeah. So we work on it. You, know, you get off the record sales um, from people. There are some companies out there who can walk in and case a store and tell you what they're doing. Uh, right. Pretty amazing talent that I've been trying to get someone to teach me how to do it. <laughs> I've I've done that a little bit. Um, back back in the day, and a lot of times I would go in and 
and talk to like the produce guy kind of early in the morning because it usually seemed like he or she would know that number and would be kind of willing to chat a little bit um, as opposed to somebody else that's, you know, maybe behind a counter or a manager or assistant manager. So um, that was always kind of my, my go-to person. Yeah. I, I looked at, uh, someone told me, look at, look at cakes. If there are a lot of cakes there, it's an affluent area. People right. A lot of money to have cakes made instead of making them themselves. Yeah. And I look at the price of the meats too as well. You know, you right. Of, of how affluent it is there, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I know there's guys out there who can walk in a store and sit there in the parking lot for an hour and then figure out pretty closely what, what the volume is. So, what it's doing. Yeah. 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 I think that's definitely something that you figure out over time. I think you got to go into a lot of stores to, to kind of get that, you know, gain that knowledge. Um, well, this is, this has been great. Uh, you know, sure. Appreciate, you know, your, um, insights into to what, what you're doing at federal and, and in just into grocery. I, I think it's been really interesting. Um, if, if, if you had some advice for somebody that, that finds your job fascinating, and you were to give them some advice on kind of how to get started in this industry, you know, think maybe college student or, you know, somebody that just graduated or something like that. Where, where would you tell them to kind of get started? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. When I, when I got out of college, I uh, was always fascinated with real estate and I said, Oh, I want to become a developer. You know, that was always the, the, uh, the aspiration. And I actually did that for a while. So I can technically say I became a developer. Right. Yeah. Um, but I was always steered toward leasing as the way to learn the business um, because you're putting the deals together and the deals drive uh, the profitability of the development. And, um, you know, in, in terms of someone wanting to get into anchor leasing, if that's a, a specific question, I think you got to start off with shops and you got to, you know, there's a lot of volume there and you're learning the ins and outs of deals. And then you have to aspire to want to, do the more sophisticated, complicated deals. I mean, right. my, my leases will sometimes take six, eight, nine months to do. I mean, they become very, very technical and you have to, you know, uh, you have to almost operate as an attorney at some, in some ways, or at least have that not operate as an attorney, but you have to think like they do and educate yourself on lease clauses and, you know, there are some of us who maybe want to do a lot of things very quickly. And then there's some of us like my, some of those like myself who would rather do a few things in a lot more detail. Right. That are technically challenging. And I, I enjoy that. Yeah. So I think you have to have that type of a personality where you don't mind sitting with something that is technically challenging. It's going to take a little bit more time um, versus something that won't and will be more high volume and speedy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. No, that's helpful. That's great. Well, thanks again for joining us today. And I hope you'll keep us in mind whenever some of your Amazon locations do become public knowledge. I hope you'll, 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 um, you know, uh, let us know and, um, definitely we look forward to staying in touch. I cannot comment on that. <laughs> but I aspire one day to be able to say it publicly. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Appreciate your time. All right. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to today's podcast. To email us your thoughts on today's conversation or suggestions for future podcasts, email us at pgrinfo at plantgrocery.com.